Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, do you believe all things are possible? I certainly do. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And just put a marker there. If you got your app, go ahead and uh, make sure you know where Ephesians, how to find Ephesians 3. And then also turn over in your Bible to Jeremiah in the 33rd chapter. Well, I have some, well, Carrie and I have some great news that we would like to share with you. And no, she is not expecting, all right? Uh, I know when you, when you start off like that, that seems to be the, uh, where we go to, but... Uh, Friday morning, Carrie and I got to close on our house in Centralia, and I think there, there's a picture of it and a picture of us in front of it, so um, we are located right across the street from the um, library. Um, I called City Hall a couple weeks ago, and I said, look, uh, the road in front of our house that we're about to buy is pretty rough. If you could repave that. So, uh, no, that's not how that happened, but uh, we showed up, and we were blessed to see that the road on Broadway had been repaved recently. So, um, there's a, the trend going, because our house in Biloxi, didn't they get a new road in, in here? So, if you want us to buy a house near you, let us know, and uh, I think the road will get, get repaved for you. All right, so uh, we are here, and I want to introduce a new series uh, to you. It's called Great Expectations, and um, this is week one. And week one, I'm going to talk about what to pray. And then next week, I'm going to be back, and we're going to uh, continue in this theme of Great Expectations, and I'm going to share with you when we should pray. And then the third week, I'll come back one more time, and I want to share with you how to pray. And so um, if you've ever wondered any of those questions, and, and as Christians, uh, a lot of people struggle with have a, having a, an effective prayer life. And, and so what I want to do is I want to show you just a couple of principles in Scripture, in God's Word, that show us how um, to pray, what to pray for, and, and when we should be praying. So... Um, and, and I base this off, I don't know if you ever heard of the book called Great Expectations, but it was first published in 1860, and it was written by Charles Dickens, and it was about a boy named Philip Pirrip, and he had a hard time saying his own name, so he called himself Pip, and um, Pip, he was an orphan. His mom and um, mother and father had passed away, and so his sister raised him, and Pip had lived a life of great expectations, but he found out that life sometimes doesn't live up to those expectations. Has anyone ever been there where you've got great, some, some pretty high expectations and, and life just didn't deliver the way that you think, thought it should? And I know I've certainly been there. But what I want to share with you this morning is that God wants us to live a life of great expectations. And those great expectations aren't determined by what happens to us in life, but it's determined by the um, Savior, uh, the, the God, the creator of the world, the Savior that, that we call Christ. And so if you would, let me read to you 
in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3, and it says this, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, the, the first thing about that Jeremiah said here is that we're to call, and he will answer us. Well, that's a great verse, and I'm sure you've probably seen it on bumper stickers, and I'll bet that you've got it highlighted in your, your Bible. But what we find out is sometimes that, that we don't do a good job of calling out to the Lord. You know, God is sovereign, and when we say that God is sovereign, what we mean is he created the world. He created us and who we are and what we are. And so um, God is sovereign, and Every, he's got a plan for each of us that would amaze you. Your great expectations for your life come nowhere near what God's great expectations for you are. But a lot of times, we never find out what God has planned for us because we listen to the enemy. And the enemy wants nothing more than for us to not pray. If, if the, now, remember this. God, sovereign, created us. His whole desire is for us to spend eternity with him. And, and this is what it says about the enemy, Satan. That he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, he doesn't come to kill, steal, and destroy everybody else's life. He's coming for your life. He wants to make your life a wreck. And a lot of times we listen to the enemy instead of what the Bible says and call to me. We don't call and so we don't get answers. And we never find out what is that great and mighty thing that the Lord wants. If you look, look in your bulletins and you pull out the um, note taker, you'll notice on the back uh, that there's a quote there by Rick Warren. It says, Satan tries to limit your prayer or your praying because he knows your praying will limit him. And this is reality. If we want to have that life of great expectations, it's going to come with prayer. And we can't listen to the enemy and allow him to trivialize it. So that Because here's what happens. Here's what the enemy says. That you're not worthy that God should answer your prayers. Don't you remember when you, and then he fills in the blank for you. And then he reminds you of this time and time again. And just when you get to that point where you want to call out to God, the enemy reminds you one more time of what you did, when you did it, who you did it with. Maybe even why you did it, and then you, your prayer stops right there. Maybe in your lips. It never, ever leaves your mouth. And Satan, that's what he wants. He wants us to stop right there. He wants us to not call out to God. He wants us to, you know, and, and this all has been going on. It, it's not something, that, a problem that started in 2018. This has been a problem since the creation of the world. Because Satan went to Adam and Eve and he questioned what God had told them. And ever since then, he's been reminding everybody about how we've fallen short of what God has planned for us. But you see, that's not where the story ends. That's not what we need to worry about because um, one of the things that I've learned when it comes to prayer is that you, the value that we put on prayer 
is evident by the amount of time that we give it. Now, uh, in the Civil War, um, there was a, a story told of a, a, one of the soldiers, and uh, he, he was a Christian, and he was a devout uh, uh, prayer warrior. And so um, back then, when, when the armies would face each other, there'd be hundreds of thousands. And so you can imagine with hundreds of thousands of, of people around, it's hard to get alone. And so what he decided to do for praying was he went into the um, neutral territory between the two uh, armies. And that's where he would find space by himself and he would pray. And he would and, and just pour out his heart to God. Well, one night when he was coming back into the camp, the sentry um, caught him. And they didn't believe that he was one of them. He, they thought he was coming from the enemy's side. And so they took him to the, the general of the, that army. And they told him, look, you know, here we've got a spy who's, who's trying to infiltrate into our army. And so the general asked him, what in the world, you know, tell us about who you are, what unit you're with. And again, hundreds of thousands of people. They didn't have computers to, to keep records. Um, finding some of his fellow compatriots may have not been the easiest thing to do late at night like this. And so he told the general that he'd been out there praying. And so the general told him, he says, start. Get on your knees and start praying. And he got on his knees and he just continued where he had finished a little bit earlier in the evening. And then after about 10 minutes, the general said, get up. Go back to your quarters. And he told those around him, he says, there's nobody that spends um, time in prayer um, that couldn't pray like that. Now, if he would have stuttered and stammered and he'd probably lost his life right then. But because he had been faith, because he had been calling out to the Lord, when he had to do it under duress, it was very easy for him. It was very natural for him. And the reality is that um, what value we put on prayers is evidenced in the time that we give to it. A survey out there says that the average Christian spends one minute a day in prayer. If you don't like that survey, there was one that was kind of a little more optimistic, and it said that the average Christian might spend three to seven minutes a day in prayer. And, and if that's what we're doing, if all we're doing is spending a minute in prayer or we're spending three to seven minutes in prayer a day, we probably are not seeing the God of Jeremiah 33.3. We probably don't know what it looks like to see God answer prayers in a mighty way. And what happens is, just like Pip in the story, Great Expectations, we are orphans. The Bible tells us that we are orphans. And, and Pip had an unknown benefactor. Today, this morning, I want to introduce you to our benefactor. I think many of us may know him, but just in case, let me introduce you to the benefactor that, that we should all know. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to read in verse 1. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, if you're wanting to know how to pray, um, I think learning from Jesus is a pretty good place to start. And so the very men who followed him and were closest to him in his earthly ministry, they asked him, Lord, teach us to... See, they'd seen Jesus out there in the garden. They knew what it was like to have an effective prayer life. They saw God answer prayers that Jesus offered up. 
And so they wanted to know how should they pray. And I believe that one of the principles that Jesus taught them was that they should pray specifically. If you go to verse 5, it says this. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight? And say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. You see the the specificity that the friend is asking for? He didn't ask for some food. He said, I need three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and said, do not bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in the bed. And what he means is um, they didn't have like the house we just bought with five bedrooms. They had one open area. And the whole family slept in that same area. There might be a, um, something that looked like a mattress on the ground. And so the whole family's there. And here's this neighbor knocking on the door, going over to the window and trying to, to be heard inside the house. And the, the, the person who lived there said, stop. Quit bothering me. The kids are, we've finally got them down. He says, do not bother me for the doors now shut. My children are with me in the bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. But the next verse tells us this. In verse 8. I tell you though, he will not get up and give anything or him anything because he's his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him Whatever he needs. You know, and so this is one of the things that we need to understand is that when we go to the Lord in prayer, we need to be very specific. And you probably notice this big chalkboard up here. And what I would ask us to do as a church, so for the next 21 days, every prayer request that's on there, I'm going to be spending time in front of the Lord lifting these very specific requests up to him. I would ask you that uh, today, whether it be an invitation or after the service, to add your prayer request there and join me in praying with you and join others in our church praying with you for a very specific request. Because that is what, um, when, when we ask what should we pray for, well, we should pray very specifically. I learned this lesson uh, early in our marriage. Stationed down in Florida and uh, we had two young children. We didn't have a lot of money. And so uh, we had come to a point where um, we needed a new vehicle. Or maybe we were at the point where we wanted a new vehicle. And so I learned that, you know, if you, if you needed something, um, we brought it to the Lord in prayer. And so before we went to the Lord in prayer, we were out car shopping. Sometimes, have you ever done that where you, you, you put your, your, what you want to do before you start praying? Well, we had done that, and we went to the, the lot, and we found this car that, I don't know if Carrie fell in love with it, but I fell in love with it. It was a white Ford Escort station wagon. Now, come on, that's a, that's a common sense car. It wasn't a Cadillac. It wasn't a Rolls Royce. It was a white Ford Escort station wagon, and I remember this because they had the, the, the thing printed on the, on the window, the, the sheet of paper, and, the, and it said it was white with ice blue interior. And so, now I knew that we should pray specifically based off of Luke 11. And so I started praying specifically that the Lord would give us a Ford Escort station wagon that was white that had ice blue interior. And, and I prayed. Matter of fact, I prayed so long on this, I forgot that about, I mean, it was just another item on my prayer list. And then uh, 
one of the things that uh, we would do is we would look at the, the uh, classified ads, and um, one day we saw a escort station wagon. Didn't think anything of it. It was uh, about an hour away, and so uh, the price on it was phenomenal. We're like, oh, my goodness. This, you know, the value of the vehicle was 5000 They were selling it for $1,500. All right, so we went out into the middle of nowhere, Florida, and believe me, there's a lot of places that are like that in Florida, and we went out into the middle of nowhere, Florida, and we test drove this white Ford station wagon, and uh, everything about it seemed to be working fine, and I said, you know, you only want $1,500? They said, oh, we want $1,500, so we gave them the $1,500, they signed the title over to us, and I knew um, when we were driving back, I said, you know, have you ever heard that if, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true? And so I was just expecting, there's something wrong with this vehicle. We're going to find out sooner or later, all right? And I was just hoping that it wouldn't be more than $3,500 to fix it because the value of the vehicle was only $3,500 more than what I paid for it. Well, um, I found out about a week later that the radiator needed to be replaced. And so I replaced the radiator for less than $100, and that vehicle worked perfectly. And while I was working on the radiator and I was going through it, I found stuff down in the glove um, box. There was the paper that went on that vehicle's window when the, they had sold it off of the lot. And I read through it, and guess what I saw? The color of it obviously was white. We figured that one out when we bought it. And the interior was blue, but I didn't know until I pulled it out that the interior was ice blue. Now, here's what's interesting. When I started praying that prayer, I thought I wanted God to give me the one off of the lot, the new one that smelled like a new car. And what I didn't realize was that God knew our financial situation. And, and instead of giving us a, a bigger payment that we probably couldn't afford, what he gave us was a little bit of patience to wait. And then he gave us a vehicle that, here's what's interesting. We had that vehicle for, I think, about three or four years. And then um, I was being moved out to California, so I was going to sell the vehicle to my parents because they, they wanted it. It was a great vehicle. Never gave us any problems. $1,500 plus one. $1,600 vehicle. Well, what happened was we were in an accident. The insurance paid us like $4,500 for a vehicle we bought three years earlier that we invested no more than $1,600 in. Now, see, that's what happens when we let God answer our prayers versus, and, and be very specific about our prayers. You say, well, you know, I don't know that I've got that faith. You don't have to have that faith. You need to have the faith that God has for you right now in your life. It says here on the screen, don't be like Pip. You know, because Pip incorrectly identified his benefactor. See, if you read the story, or you'll find out that uh, a benefactor came along and, and wanted to put Pip through school, through college and university, and, and set him up for business success in life. And he thought that he knew who that person was. And do you think that he treated that person differently once he, he thought that this was the benefactor? He did. Now, that person had no clue what was going on that, that Pip thought that they were the benefactor. But many times, many times that the God of the universe, who is our benefactor, we start thinking it's somebody else. It might be an aunt or an uncle. It might be a, our mom or dad. 
and we don't realize that the real benefactor, the real person who cares more about us, that wants to do more for us, is the God of the universe. In verse 9, it says this in Luke chapter 11. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. In verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish specific, instead of giving a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Last verse, it says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, it's amazing. As parents, what we'll do for our children. As grandparents, what we'll do for our children. And the Bible tells us that our benefactor, God, the creator of the world, wants to do Infinitely more than that. And yet, we don't believe it. Because if we believed it, we would step out in faith and ask. We'd reach out to God. I learned something over in Afghanistan, and that was um, this term called fire for effect. Now, what this means is, um, in the military, not everything works out perfectly, all right? And so one of the things that, uh, one of the weapons that we had at our disposal was a mortar. And so uh, basically a mortar is this um, pipe. You drop uh, a round down in it, and then it gets launched. And based on the angle, the trajectory will land somewhere else. Now, you know, those who use that on a regular basis would find out, um, and they were pretty good. They could, they could get it close to the target, you know, within a mile. And so um, I remember... The way that this would happen is you would fire one round, and then there was a spotter with a scope on, and, and, and then they would tell you how to adjust fire. All right? So you fire the first round, and it was 300 yards short and to the left, and, and they would give you a, a coordinate, and they would tell you how to move it. Then you would fire a, a next round, and then once you kind of got one of those rounds close, you would hear the command you were waiting for, and that was fire for effect. And what that meant was just drop them, keep them going. Why? Because we have it dialed in. We know exactly where that round is going to land. And we and put as many of them there as you can, as quickly as you can. Well, you know, as a Christian, why don't we fire for effect? Jeremiah 33.3 tells us, call unto me and I will answer thee and, and show thee great mighty things that you don't know. Luke 11 tells us, ask and you will receive. But yet we don't. And here's why I believe there's reasons that we don't pray. First thing is I, I think that we don't believe that God's going to answer our prayer. I'm probably convinced that I'm not the only person in this room that has, has prayed a prayer that God didn't answer or I felt like he didn't answer. And so we tell ourselves that, that, well, you know what, God's going to answer Pastor Ronnie's prayer and he's going to give him a white Ford Escort with ice blue interior, but he's not going to do that for me. Because the enemy's telling you that, that you're not worthy of that. But your benefactor, the Father, says differently. And the second reason I think that we, we don't call out to God and we don't ask and pray specifically is that we're embarrassed that God will not answer our prayers. Many of you won't make the trip to, to put down your prayer on this board because you're embarrassed that, well, God might not answer your prayer. 
Well, he'll answer everyone else in this church except for you. That's what the enemy wants you to hear. That's not what your father wants you to hear. What your father wants you to hear is, call unto me, and I will answer. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, there's a story told by how Solomon had just built the temple. And God made this promise to Solomon. He said, if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Most Christians never get to the part where they pray. I'm convinced that God answers our prayer in one of four ways. He's either going to say no. He's either going to say grow before you're going to get that answer. Or he might be telling us slow, just wait for it. Or he might be telling us go. Yes, here's the answer. If you turn over to James chapter 4 and verse 3, I'm going to read it to you to be up on the screen. It says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Now listen to what God says in his word. This is James, the brother of Jesus, relaying this. You adulterous people, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself the enemy of God. And see, here's what happens. You and I sometimes are living a life where we are absolutely at odds with what God is doing. And you're right. When we pray those type of requests and when we ask for things that, that just benefit us, God's not going to answer that. Matter of fact, he, he answered it for us. No, not going to happen. Not only that, but you got a problem with you are going the wrong direction. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had this kind of conversation with somebody who said, well, I prayed and God didn't answer. And they never, ever take personal responsibility for who they are and the life that they're living. Well, the second thing that he would say is grow. Second Chronicles 16.9, one of my favorite verses. And this is a King Asa who had... Um, well, he'd done something wrong. And, and the prophet comes and tells him this story. He says, For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong for those who wholeheartedly devoted to him. You have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. Here was a king that had, if, if you go through and you watch the kings of Israel and kings of Judah, you'll hear at the very beginning it says they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or they did what was evil. This king had started off great. Started off and he had, he had gotten everything. He was not the enemy of God. He was doing everything with and for God. And yet there came a, an army against him, and instead of believing that the same God who had delivered him in many other battles, he decided instead to go make a pact with one of those armies just to be safe, just to make sure. 
And because he did that, the Lord said this. My eyes. I'm looking. I'm telling. Second Chronicles 16.9 is as good today as it was the couple thousand years ago when it was written. And that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout Centralia. And he's looking for someone whose heart is wholeheartedly toward him. Look, there's multiple verses where he said this. Pick your verse. Is it 2 Chronicles 7.14? Is it going to be 16.9? Is it going to be Jeremiah 33.3? What is it that you need to hang on to to understand that God, the sovereign ruler of this world, who has the power to do anything... All things are possible. It's easy to sing it. It's a whole different story when you start putting your request on a board. It's a whole different story when you start saying out loud that this is what I'm asking from God. But it's the same God. The same God who created the world. The same God who sent his son to die on the cross for us. Is the same God who makes this promise. And, and this is what I believe when he tells us to go I asked you to, to mark Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to read a couple of verses to you in Ephesians. Matter of fact, as I was, we were driving here to church, Carrie pulled up, uh, she goes, I just saw this, I want to share this, this verse with you. And it was Ephesians 3, and it started in, in verse 14. So I'm going to read from 14 on, as I was preparing the sermon, I was only going to do uh, 20 and uh, tw- 21, but here's what he says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ. That surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Why? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that that we ask or think. Now I don't know about you, but it's one thing to say, you know, here's what I'm willing to ask God for. But it's another thing to be thinking, well, what is possible that we are not even able to comprehend? According to the power at work within us. This goes back to what Jesus said when he's teaching his disciples in Luke chapter 11. He says, how much more would the heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit if you would just ask? Verse 21, it says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. See, this is what you need to be thinking about in your prayers. How will they glorify God? Because when our prayers don't glorify God, what they end up doing is we consume them upon our own passions. We use them for our own good. And our Heavenly Father says, I'm not going to answer that. Or if you really want an answer, it's no. I know I skipped over one. It's slow. Here's what's interesting. If you go back to that. So he's either going to say no, you're not getting that. Or he's going to tell you uh, that you need to grow. There's things in your life that need to change. Or he's going to tell you to slow down. In the book of Daniel, 
And the angel appears to Daniel and says this. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day, when? The first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself. There's that word humbled again. Before your God, your words have been heard. And the Bible tells us that when he hears our prayers, they're answered. And I have come because of your words. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. There's times when you're going to reach out to God and you're going to call to God and you're not going to get the answer as quickly as you want. And you're going to make the assumption that he said no. And you're going to stop praying. And there's going to be times where you call out to God and and there's things in your life that need to change. And God's going to tell you, you need to change this. You need to grow before I'm going to demonstrate my power in your life. But there's times where he's not saying no. He's not telling you to grow. But he's saying, look, I just need you to hang in there. The answer's coming. I've I've said yes. But I, I just can't do it today for you. And the sovereign God of the universe knows when the perfect time is. You see, because here's the problem. When it's, or it's not in God's time, we cannot force it. And when it is in God's time, we can't stop it. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.